Hi everybody, I'm Peter Travers. This is Popcorn, where we tell you what is popping in the culture. And my guest today, David Tennant, well, there's always something going on with this guy. You know, he's played everything from Doctor Who to Hamlet to, in this case, camping. Yes. Camping. You've gone camping for HBO. I have, yes. Wow. Yeah. Well, how did are. it happen? Did Rena Dunham and <laughs> come to you and say, I've done this show. It's about this group of American crazy people who go camping, and you, a Scotsman, yeah. are perfect to play the this obvious character. Obvious choice. Obvious. Yeah. I would just say right away, yes. I don't know why I occurred to them, uh, but I'm very glad that I did. No, I just got, uh, it came out the blue, and a, a script arrived, and it was, as you see, written by Lena Dunham and Jenny Connor, Jenny Connor. Who, who wrote uh, Girls Together. So you think, well, that's pretty good pedigree. Um, I, I read the script. I loved it. Uh, Jennifer Garner was already attached. That that also felt like uh, uh, it was a, a mark of quality. So uh, I just I know. So I'd never done anything like this before. I've never done a sitcom before, really, um, uh, and I've never really played a character like this before either. So there were there were lots of things to tempt me. Who is this Walt guy? Oh, well, he's very Explain sweet. He's very he is sweet. very sweet. Yeah. He's like, I think he's put upon. He is a little put upon. He's married to uh, Catherine. Uh, they've been married for a while. They have a little That's boy. That's Jennifer Garner. That's Jennifer Garner. They have a little boy. Uh, and they've, I think once they were very happy. Right now, their relationship isn't in the rudest of health, it would be fair to say. Um, but Walt's going to be 45. There's not a lot of sex happening for no, Walt. Poor Walt. Mm -hmm. He's desperate for a bit and he's not getting anything. Uh, um, and that's one of the issues that he's trying to come to terms with. But he's very long-suffering. He's very sweet. He doesn't he, he doesn't want to... He, he doesn't enjoy confrontation. And he, he, he uh, is trying to keep everything going. Trying to, He's aware that his life isn't in the best place it could be but but he, he I think he loves his wife he certainly loves his son and he's, he wants to make things better and it's his birthday he's 45 uh, so uh, his wife organises this camping trip with, with him and uh, three of his friends so there's these four couples living under canvas for a long weekend and it should be a celebration of Walt's birthday but these are not couples who should even be couples anymore let alone all be living together uh, in a in a, a stressful environment which of course is yeah, what Walt is not is. number one on their list of the no. people the person they need to please no he really isn't no, no. He's, there's themselves and then there's everybody else <laughs> yeah. and then there's poor Walt at the bottom who's just trying to have a nice time for his birthday so what was it was it did you have a reputation for going out with your wife and kids on camping trips all the time no not at all I mean, you just my wouldn't camping do experience that. is very limited <laughs> really? did you go camping I did it once and I'll never do it again. No, I th I'm, I'm pretty much with you. When I was a kid, we used to go around in a little caravan. Not like a big, long, stretch caravan with showers in it. Like a little thing about that size. And there were three of us kids on, on bunk beds which kind of folded down at one point in the day and my, my parents at the other end. And I was very small. I don't remember a lot about that. Uh, but, you know, you'd, you'd go to the sort of chemical toilet at the other end of the campsite and get washed in the sinks. And it was... It was basic, but I don't, I, I think that was, I don't remember hating it. But only once as an adult have I gone camping in an actual proper tent. Well, what was that? When did that? I went to the Glastonbury Music Festival. Oh, wow. And you, uh, you, you, you know, can't. You, yeah. you, you can't not. You got to, yeah. 
I've since discovered there are other ways. There are glamping options, <laughs> which are a little bit easier. And were I to uh, be afforded the opportunity of going again, I'm, I might be looking into that. Was that happening on the set of camping? Because we saw you all roughing it out there in the woods. Yeah. But I'm sure it was like super glam trailers, you know. I wouldn't say the trailers were particularly glam. <laughs> they were a long way from the actual campsite. We'd, have, we'd go up dusty tracks on those little... Uh, you know those little what are they called scooter things four by four things uh, so we didn't uh, gators that's the word I was looking for uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. but we it wasn't it was pretty dusty and it was pretty but it was California so it was, <laughs> it, it, I think it rained once um, you know it could have been a lot so worse so that was really rough in it, then, no, and we, had, we had chairs and craft service it was okay we did alright <laughs> I'm thinking if the bugs and mosquitoes you know, weren't union. They no. weren't allowed well, we did union. have a snake wrangler on set the whole time, which is a little bit alarming because we don't... You're back in Scotland. We do have snakes in Scotland, but they don't, they don't touch you. And even if they do, they ain't going to be of any They're just very to polite there. They're very little grass snakes. They just come to say They've hi. They've been trained by off. Sean Connery to they, go nowhere. They've been meet. terrified by Sean Connery <laughs> to leave us all alone. We all are. Yeah. Right, yeah. So, uh, but no, we had, we had, we had a guy who, who was there every day with a big bucket and, a, and he got quite a few. You were warned not to go off the paths too much. Um, I never saw one, though. I only saw one in the bucket after he'd caught one. <laughs> okay, the best place to see them. Yeah, yeah. So what was it like doing this purely American? It was fun. I, I'd never worked in this way before where uh, there was a comedy team. So there were writers behind the camera. So you would do the scene as written. and they were Writers all- were allowed? Uh, yes. Well, that never happened. Wow. <laughs> Get rid of them. They have suggestions well, for But that was a very actively encouraged. I'd, I'd never done that before, where you do a scene and then the writing team would come in and they'd debate alternative lines or they'd pitch an idea and, uh, and, and you might retake a bit and you might try that line. And So although it wasn't a studio uh, audience sitcom where you're, you know, they're, they're doing that live in front of the audience. It was, you know, we would do alternate takes, we would improvise a little bit here and there, and that was, that was new to me, that way of working. I really enjoyed that. Puts you on your toes. You think, you go, oh, I've got to, you know, I've got to keep thinking. It's not just about <laughs> learning the lines and turning up. I just think for you, in your career, you do so many things that you can't put in a box. You just can't say, it's fabulous now. Well, I'm delighted that Doctor that, Who yeah. is a woman. Absolutely, yeah. Not only a woman, but Jodie Whittaker, yeah. who, talk about Broadchurch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There she was. Yeah, there she was. The mother of the dead boy. Yeah. That you were like super, and now she, so did you give her any advice about how to read the doctor? I wouldn't dare to give her advice. We chatted a bit about the experience of it. It's quite a unique show to be in the center of. Um, there isn't a big support group available. You know, there's a few of us around who've done it and, and everyone always shares their experiences. I keep thinking of you all meeting, you know. Oh, yeah, we hang out. There's a gentleman's <clears throat> yes. club. All the Doctor Who's... Well, now a gentleman's and ladies' club. The ladies' club. With, with sort yeah. of wood panels. Well, it's a walls. new world now. It is. So it's that great. had to happen. It, it, it did have to happen. I think it was time. I think it was inevitable. And I think uh, uh, Jodie is the perfect choice to kind of to take the show forward and to do something new with it. New, but it's also still exactly the same show that it always was. It's not that big. I think, the, 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 you know, the, there's been a lot written about how this is a, a big change, in it, and it's, it's not. It's the same show. It's the same character. The gender is, is, is you know, once, once Judy's taken over and now she's taken over, the gender is, is irrelevant. It's just, it's that character. Well, do you, have you watched it? I did. I saw, I saw her first one. It was very <sighs> exciting, yeah. Does it freak you out at all to watch other people playing it, given that you had to have seen the other ones first? 
Well, you knew that that was the deal. You know, as you see, I was number 10. I wasn't number one. So no. I, 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 there, was, there was precedent. Um, I was fairly certain that one day there would be an 11 and therefore 12 and 13. <laughs> so uh, it, 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 it's a little bit odd at first because, of course, when you're in the middle of a show like that, it's, it's everywhere you go. It's, so it, it's, it, it's ubiquitous in your life and you can't really escape it. So the idea that you move on and it carries on without you at first can feel a little bit like, what? But, but surely... <laughs> I'm too important to this brand, surely. Uh, but no, the, the show, as it should be, is much bigger than any individual who's ever been connected to it. Uh, and, and it but it's, it's a show that I loved as a kid, you see. So I had heard that, yeah. that you were, this is very hard to believe, but you know, those are always the true stories. Yeah. That you were about three years old yeah. and said, I want to be Doctor Who. Well, I certainly, I wanted, it was watching Doctor Who as a child of that age that made me get interested in acting as a concept. And that show was one that I loved more than any other. I had posters on my wall and I, you know, I had a long knitted scarf that I would run around the back garden in. And uh, it was, it, it was a huge part of my life. So it was a huge motivation to, for me to follow the, the, the career that I did. But by the time I came to being a professional actor, Doctor Who was no longer on the air. So when you actually got to do it, mm. was there a kind of dream come true aspect of it happening? Yeah, of this course. This was meant to be? Yeah, I remember my first job at a drama school was touring a play. We toured a Brecht play, The Resistible Rise of Arturo Ui. Of course. What a segue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and that, we toured it in a little van and we did one night stands all around Scotland, uh, a theatre company called 784. Um, and then suddenly you go and you get a paycheck and you go, well, actually, in those days, you got a brown envelope with cash in it. Cash? Yeah. What a concept. I paid in cash for my first job. I what? know. <laughs> really? Do you remember cash? Yes. <laughs> it just seems so strange. Isn't I'm it? picturing now yeah. people getting, you know, millions of dollars for <laughs> each thing they I do. I did not get Coming millions in of dollars for touring the Resistance Rise Arturo Arturo wasn't right. paying that On one night stands. No, the thin envelope with the cash. <laughs> 180 quid a week or something like wow. that. Yeah, and in a in a little brown envelope. And I remember this the sense of being paid to do what I'd been aspiring to do for all these years. It was it was giddy making. It was great. Um, the the trouble with being an actor is you never really relax because of course every job is is relatively short lived and you're uh, always thinking that's the last one. That's the last one. It's all going to fall apart. And maybe, After a while, come on. I don't. I, it's still in me. That's definitely still Isn't in me. Isn't there because you know in England where all of these shows that you've done that we've only seen some here. Yeah. But you're like the cool kid. You people are chasing you. Yeah, but one But one, they are. One this week's is cool kid is another week's sexiest news. man in media. Oh, push oh you sure, were. Peter. So what do you tush, do when that happens? Tush, tush. <laughs> is that what you say when those well, awards are given to, to you? Something well, like I that. remember once there was one I, that I read about and it was like uh, David Tennant is the 15th sexiest man. <laughs> In the world, I kept thinking, who was 16? <laughs> Why did they even I say know. that? Either you're well, the sexiest or you're not. Well, poor bugger was number 15. 16. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> who were the other 14? That's what I want to know. I don't know. It wasn't there. That's it good. just had you yeah. as 15. It's an odd headline, isn't it? That that's. <laughs> I think it's really odd because you can go home and say to your wife, I'm 15th sexiest. Yeah. And, and she'd, she'd say, Man. let me meet one, two, and three. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is this? I want, can I get 12, 12 even? Can I upgrade at all? What does it mean? Yeah. So you just let all this attach. Well, nonsense, isn't it? And also, you're very aware that any, yes, being cool one minute means you're going to be, what's the opposite of cool? Hot. That's also good. <laughs> Look warm. That's good too. Being Look cool warm. one day means you're, 
You were inevitably going to be lukewarm one day. Is 16th lukewarmest. <laughs> yeah. I'm the in 16th most lukewarm me- actor. In all of media. In anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just... yeah. Well, uh, yeah, you know, at least people are still talking about you. You work constantly. You're going to have, at the end of the year, you have Mary Queen of Scots coming. Up. Yes, I do, yeah. And as far as I know, you're not Mary or Elizabeth. I'm neither, no. I'm, <laughs> but a, I'm a brief but important moment in the A movie, brief yeah. but important yeah. moment. Pivot- okay. I think we call it pivotal. <laughs> pivotal. Yeah. So pivotal, though brief, you could have gotten paid in a brown envelope. I would have loved that. I'd love to get paid in a brown envelope I'm obsessed again. with that now. Yeah, I just lovely. want to see that brief but pivotal. Yeah. And then you have another series from Amazon coming in probably right. early next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good Omens. Yeah. This is with Michael Sheen. Michael Sheen. A Neil Gaiman Terry Pratchett novel from That's 30 pretty years good. ago that Neil has now adapted. And he was the showrunner. And uh, it was, it, Terry Pratchett is no longer with us. But it was, as Neil says, it was, it was Terry's dying wish to see this get made. They tried to make a movie several times. Mm-hmm. It kept not happening. Uh, it's a pretty unfilmable novel. It's the, the scale of it, the scope of it, the range of locations and the, the, the bizarreness of the imagination means it's quite difficult to wrangle into a script. But Neil has done it beautifully. And we, we shot that, uh, well, we were still shooting it this year. So it was a long shoot with lots of elements of an amazing cast. And they're currently putting it all together. So that comes out next year. What is it that excites you about what you do? Just something, anything that feels challenging, anything that feels different, anything that takes you to uh, a new bit of yourself or a new audience or a, uh, you know, something like camping. I'd, I'd never, I'd never really played a part like that before. I'd never been in that kind of sitcom world before. That's a, that's a, a, a thrill to get to go and do something you've, uh, something new, um, with a new bunch of people and and uh, uh, working with people like Lena and Jenny, working with people like Jen and Juliet and. Brett, and I mean, this is one of these casts that you just, every scene you were in, you did, there was somebody doing something brilliant, you know, and that's, that's exciting. And you're allowed to. It isn't yeah. that rigid. It yes, It says exactly. that we, yeah, we yeah. welcome this kind of thing to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. But when you then put yourself on stage and you are, whether it's in the beginning and it's Arturo Louis or yeah. when you do Hamlet. Yeah. Is that scary? Terrifying. Does anything still scare you? Oh, going on stage is an awful idea. I, I love it. <laughs> it. I feel like, I sort of feel like that's my proper job still. That feels like the day job, and filming feels like I'm on some sort of sabbatical. But so I do go back to the theatre quite regularly. Um, I did a play last year, and you, you, it. But when, especially that first public performance, and, and indeed Hamlet was probably the worst I've ever had. I remember before that first public performance being fetal on the dressing room floor, going, "What this? I this is simply impossible. I cannot." Go out of that door, go onto that stage in front of people, and and remember a sequence of lines. I, it's simply not going to happen. Let alone be any good at it. Going, or, I can see that to be or what? Yeah. What, what, well, I think yes. Those big speeches. Of course, your brain starts playing these terrible tricks on you because you're going to. You're aware that the audience is chanting along with you, uh, uh, which makes it even worse. You're thinking, I can't. I can't get this wrong, and yet I'm going to get this wrong. I'm going to forget what this is. All those sort of mental games that you have to play with yourself. But I suppose that's part of what draws you back to it. There's a sort of, there's an Olympic event to it you know, that, that you feel that it's about testing yourself. It's about, uh, it's a very kind of muscular sort of few hours when you're on stage every night. When people find you out at a restaurant or doing something, what did they recognize you from? Is it always Doctor Who or is it, other things. It's um, 
it can be all manner of things. It's often Doctor Who. That's a show that, that attracts a level of uh, enthusiasm that, that is hard to beat anywhere else, really. And, mm-hmm. and people who are fans of Doctor Who are often lifelong fans of Doctor Who. So, yes, uh, it's, it's often Doctor Who, but a lot of the time it's Broadchurch, which has been a, a, a show that people have loved. Um, they I've, keep loving it. That's yeah, the thing, yeah, yeah. is yeah. people find it. You might have finished yeah. that five years ago. Yeah. And yet people say, oh, I'm just watching it now. Particularly because- over here, because back home it was on one of the networks, but here it's on, it's on Netflix. So people discover it, like you say, it's like, at slightly different times. And, and, but it is the kind of show that grabs people. And because you have it on Netflix, you, you can watch it all. You know, so many people come up and say, I watched one episode, I watched all of it in one night. I've seen all three seasons yeah, last yeah. Tuesday. Exactly. Right. Yeah, they mainline it. Um, uh, so it's often that. Harry Potter I was in a long time ago, that's still... Barty Crouch Jr. That's right, yes. Oh my God, that's it too. So these are like major franchise things that exist in the world. Yeah. Um, But then, you know, Hamlet was... You were were a Death Eater. You were completely enthralled to Voldemort. Yeah. You're evil. Sure. Just evil. Yeah. Who of all these characters that you played is closest to David Taylor? Is the real me? The Death Eater? Uh, no, come on, what is it? I don't know. See, you look like an affable guy, you know? Mm. It's a, you can take on life despite the fact of you being, you know, <laughs> straight on your dressing room floor saying, I can't go on. But it's bluster, I isn't can't. it? It's bluster. That's what you have to get to go out the door the and go, look, I can do this. I do feel, well, there's something about Walt. <laughs> That feels very like me because there's a there's a lack of vanity to what was a lack. He's so uncool <laughs> that I feel that I can really relate to that. <laughs> I can really relate to Walt's lack of cool. Um, I do. I you know I'm very grateful, but I do spend a lot of time playing characters who are quite who are quite pleased with themselves, who are quite self confident. That and that's quite a stretch sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it's great to have it somewhere. Sure, isn't sure. It? If you have to act it, that's this kind of thing. Who? Who, when you were growing up, were the people you admired that you wanted to be like? Well, it sort of evolves as you grow up, doesn't it? So early on, it was watching shows like Doctor Who. So, <laughs> you know, Tom Baker was my hero for a while when I was like seven. The beginning. He was Doctor Who back then, yeah. I, the, your father-in-law was Doctor Well, and then when I was 10, the man who is now my father-in-law, he wasn't then. Obviously, that would be weird. <laughs> that he, would be really weird. He, he then became Doctor Who. So then I transferred that allegiance to him. What number was he? He was number five. It's you're like still a, number five. You don't stop being number you five. You don't stop. It's like yeah. if, if you're the 42nd president of the United States, you're that's, Mr. Who you president. Will, that's who and you are. And I will always be doctor. Doctor. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's something that lives with you. So, so the, the doctors who were people that I, I hugely admired. And then as I grew up and you know, started getting interested, I suppose, in, in the, the, the craft of acting, then I, I, people like Anthony Hopkins, I used to I, I still, of course, hugely admired. And... Uh, uh, someone like Maggie Smith, the way she can turn the line, is it, it's like poetry, you know. Um, uh, and uh, you know, various other people, as, as you uh, you know, you go and see inspirational performances, and that and that it, it, you aspire to that. Um, I saw Mark Rylance playing Hamlet when I was at drama school, and it was the first time I'd seen Shakespeare delivered conversationally. It was like he was inventing these words and doing things with these speeches that are so well known, and he was doing things with them that sounded like he was making it up. And, and that I thought that's that's how to access that kind of language. If you can if you can bring that language to life and make it of now, those plays are are are, are sort of better than anything that else that exists because they are just. It, 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 but it's a tussle because that language is foreign to us now. And how do you access that? And what 
you know, what are the what are the skills you can learn for that? So uh, lots of people. As we end, as always in song, yes. I don't know what you've prepared for me. Well, something from Scotland, maybe. The last time I was here, I, had, I didn't know you did this. You sprung it on me. And I, I know, but now you're like now an old hand. Yeah, and but you I'm know still not. About it. it still doesn't make me feel comfortable. <laughs> you understand? I might get fetal on your floor again. Like my that would be great room. too. <laughs> no. Actually, that one actor actually did that. Oh, Turned really? into a, and, and rolled up a, into a fetal position. A gibbering wreck. But you still <clears throat> made them sing, didn't you? I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just waited out. Yeah. You know, even though you have 15 million things to do. There's great about not being live, yeah, you know, that yeah. we can do this. So I could just go. Yeah, you could. Yeah. What, what is it? Well, the only time I've ever really sung in public, really, I, I did a, a little bit in shows here and there, but... Hamlet. Uh, yeah, it was Hamlet. <laughs> I did the musical. No, I went busking with a friend of mine uh, when I was at drama school and we sang Proclaimer songs in Sucky Hole Street in Glasgow. So they're the only songs I have in my back pocket. All right, go to Proclaimers. Do, okay. do. I'm ready. Uh, this is the story of our first teacher Shetla made her jumpers and the devil made her features Threw up her hands when my mum said her names Embroidered all her stories with slanderous claims And said it's over and done with, it's over and done with It's over and done with, it's over and done with It's over and done with, it's over, it's over It's over and done with, let me hear, let me hear Wow! Thank you. Are you kidding thank you. me? Thank you, thank you, thank Where you. Where is the musical? <laughs> there is a Proclaimers I, musical. I, no, but you have to do it. it. There I want it. the David Tennant <laughs> musical. Any wow. songwriters out there, this is raw material. For well, you. from your mouth to Variety Magazine's ears. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much. That's great.